Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning on this beautiful Saturday morning. It's going to be, I think, close to 65 at my home. I'm broadcasting from my studio in Fort Collins this morning, and the sun is shining out there, and we're going to have some warm weather. We'll get back to a little more seasonal, but, you know, seasonal now is in the 50s, and it's going to be pushing the 60s. So we got about four or five days of 60 degrees, and then we're going to get back maybe around the 40s, 50s for a few days, and it's going to start going up from there. We'll get some bad weather yet, but we're going to get more and more of this nice weather. <clears throat> and with that is coming a transition time. The ice on the front range is pretty, pretty sketchy. I think I'm putting my ice fishing stuff away. I'm going to start working on open water. We're going to cover that a lot today. Some boating things, some open water, some boat ramps are opening. Uh, lots of opportunities. There's going to be a lot of walleye and trout opportunities as this ice recedes here over the next few days. And even bass, we're seeing bass being caught in some of the smaller lakes as they become ice-free. So we're going to cover a lot of that today. We're going to talk turkey hunting later in the show, too. Uh, Turkey season starts April 10th, and you really, really need to be getting ready now, patterning your shotgun. The folks from Colorado Clays will join us. We're going to talk about the effect we've seen over the years as we've patterned shotguns by varying chokes, ammunition, and the shotguns themselves, and pattern them out to different distances. We have a lot to cover. Don't forget to follow us on on Facebook if you like what you hear on this uh, here on this show. You can follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, and go to our YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. In fact, we just put a show up there. Uh, we just, uh, in fact, there's a link on the YouTube channel that I took my grandkids fishing a few years ago, and it really kind of shows you how to pick a small pond, take your grandkids out get them excited, and shows you a couple techniques that will get them into a few bluegills, and they'll have a good time. So take a peek at that. Right now, let's go right to the phones. And joining us, he's a Hall of Fame angler. You've seen him as the host of Lake Commandos. He's been on television and in print for many, many years. Uh, He's also uh, just a very accomplished angler and a, a great media and fishing educator, Steve Panaz. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Terry. I, I, with the ice going out there, I think I'm going to jump on a plane and head down. That sounds like a lot of fun right now. Well, you know, we're fortunate in Colorado because of the altitude change that going into the winter season, we get ice fishing early up in the mountains. And I've had weekends where I've ice fished on Saturday and had my boat out on Sunday. And some of our lakes stay open almost year-round most of the time. There's a couple and now this transition the other way, the fish haven't been molested down here on the front range because there hasn't been very good fishable ice, but we're getting shoreline fishing already, and the boating will probably open the next week or two on most of these waters. But yet we still got tremendous lake trout and pike fishing up in the mountains through the ice. So we are pretty fortunate to have the mixed fisheries out here. We have, a, you know, I, I, I used to say I grew up in Minnesota, but Karen reminds me I just got older there. But um, <laughs> growing up in Minnesota and, and, and then living in Colorado, the two places I've lived, even though I've traveled the world doing outdoor things, uh, I've been so fortunate because you and I both uh, were in places where the outdoors is really part of the culture, isn't it? 
It is, especially here. I mean, just we're running down to uh, have our dog trained for next fall, and I uh, saw my first two robins of the year, and I'm seeing the snow starting to recede. We're going to be in the 60s here next week, and uh, just two weeks, three weeks ago, it was 9, 10, 15, 25 below, and uh, so it's a nice it's a nice change of pace. I uh, I always get excited every spring. Yeah, and I think with COVID, everybody is ready to get outside more. Not that, you know, people got outside a lot this winter. It didn't die down. And, but, you know, COVID really changed. We saw this this um, enormous amount of people start either returning to the outdoors or taking it up for the first time. And they're, they're hungry to use resources. And they're also hungry for knowledge. Now, normally this time of the year, you and I would be appearing at sports shows. And we'd be talking about new tackle. And we'd be showing them some new techniques and going over things. Well, that heck, that can't happen because of COVID. Um, you and I are going to talk about some new products here a little later in this segment. But before we do that, you've also found a way to reach out to people. You did a thing earlier this year, and I guess going into last year, with Bro Brosdahl on ice fishing called, I believe it was Ice Fishing College. And now you're extending yeah, college that. Of, into college of Ice, yep. College of Ice Fishing. And now you're extending that with Kevin Van Dam doing College of Bass Fishing. Tell me about that. So so once a week, Wednesdays at uh, 8 o'clock Eastern, uh, obviously 6 o'clock Mountain, we're, we're doing a, a live show via Facebook. Uh, it's on the Plano Synergy site. It's on the Plano Fishing site, on Van Dam site, the Lake Commando site. But really what it is, it's a celebration of bass fishing. We go deep into techniques. We answer questions throughout the show. And it's been fun because, obviously, Kevin is an amazing uh, talent, but we're also bringing in guys like Jordan Lee and Edwin Evers and, and you know guys like that. And, and so we go into a technique like, say, swim baiting, and we'll go deep into it. And these guys are not holding anything back. They're talking colors, sizes, you know, lines, rods, everything. And the difference between most pros and, and, and a weekend angler or someone that's just beginning is, yeah, we're throwing the same baits or they're throwing the same baits, but it's the little things that make a difference in, in you know, line choice. If you run an eight-pound test versus 12, you might be getting a foot deeper, and that's the key to getting bit, or you're working the rod just a little bit differently. And, and it's been fun to listen to these guys and, and contribute when, you know, when appropriate. But the good news is there's, uh, we're going to be in open water here really soon. And, I mean, it's, I think everybody has rediscovered fishing in the last couple of years just because of COVID. But it's, it's been really an amazing to see how many people are on the water right now. Well, it really is. And they are hungry for knowledge. And, you know, my comment earlier, normally you and I would be out in the public this time of the year making appearances. And so would the fellas that yeah. are appearing on your, your College of Bass. We'd be out at these shows talking to people, getting them ready. And this is a great avenue. So how do how exactly do I watch it? And can I, I know it's been on for a couple episodes already. Can I go back and watch previous episodes? Yeah, what I'd recommend is just go to the Plano Synergy, the Plano uh, Facebook page, uh, or the Plano Fishing, or the Lake Commandos page, and just hit like, and and all of those shows will be there. They're an hour long. We try to end it right at an hour, and uh, they're saved there. But really, it's a it's a deep education on bass fishing. To really experience so it is to, to go live and ask questions. We give away prize packs every week uh, just to encourage people to participate in things, and and it's been fun. Uh, what's blown me away is we did a, a a live show with Garmin Ice. We did two shows at the end of January, 
And the amount of interaction, the engagement levels on Facebook were insane. We had uh, at one one of the or the two shows that we did, we had over sixteen thousand engagements um, on these two shows, and, and I'm I'm excited about us rolling that show out uh, at the start of ice fishing again next year. But it's it's uh, Facebook does offer an opportunity for us to interact and for everybody to interact with the with the, the pros that they're following, and, and um, this is one opportunity through College of uh, Bass. Well, we'll get back. We'll remind people of that at the end of the segment again, and we'll talk a little bit about your current television show, Lake Commandos. But since we're not out there, uh, you and I talked earlier in the week, and I said, let's start doing things like maybe going over a couple new products that you and I get some products ahead of time. We get to fish with them. We get to test them. And one of the products you really have been impressed with is a new hit stick from Berkeley. Tell me about that. Berkeley came out with a... uh you know, a stick bait, and you can run it as a trolling bait for walleyes, or you can fish it as a jerk bait for bass. I've been a big fan of the Berkeley Cutter for the last four or five years, and and I, I really like it for casting. It's a it's a, a super stick bait for you know fishing as a jerk bait or trolling. But the hit stick came out, and and I got my hands on a, a bunch of them last uh, summer, and last fall I actually broke them out uh, in a big way on walleye fishing, uh, fishing channels and fishing. Uh, river mouse and things and trolling and i was stunned at really how good this bait really was it was heads and tails over any other bait that i had out there and i was fishing multiple brands we were producing fish in that 26 27 28 range consistently on a lake right in minnesota right in minneapolis area a very heavily fished lake and uh it it really was a bait uh that uh i look forward to fishing a ton this year it's got a unique design. It's got more of a balsa style, but it's built out of uh, out of a, a plastic, so it's got great, um, a, you know, it's just a tough bait. You're not going to damage the bait uh, if you get a pike or something on it. But it's uh, it really did have an action, and the colors were phenomenal. And when would you choose the hit stick over, say, the um, another stick bait or another? Uh, uh, you talked about the uh, the, the Berkeley the uh, jerk bait. The cutter, when would yeah. you hit pick? Yeah, the cutter. When would you pick it over the cutter? Early spring, uh, shore fishing at night, especially for walleyes that are coming into uh, spawning areas. These baits are heavy enough. They're unlike a balsa bait where you struggle with the weight because to get any casting distance. These baits have have a plenty of weight for a great long cast. Uh, so if you're shore fishing, and then you can work this thing on a steady retrieve, or it's one of these baits that you could fish with a stop, you know, the traditional jerk bait where you rip it down, let it pause, rip it down, let it pause. But this is one of those baits that uh, if you know of a spot where the walleyes are congregating near shore and you can get out and cast out of waders or from a boat, uh, it's a great one. It's also a great bait for trolling uh, early season. It's got more of a little bit of a subtle action uh, that really seems to trigger pre-spawn uh, and, you know, near post-spawn giant fish and it, this is one of those baits that uh it's the real deal they put a lot of time in building this thing and uh it really i, I can attest from my my fishing last year i was blo- i was literally blown away how good it was well people get put that to a test probably this week here in colorado we are going to see the pre-spawn walleyes 
uh, start moving into shores, this ice recedes, and that is one of the number one bites. And, you know, Colorado produces big walleyes, too. Our state record is over 18 pounds. So, God, this is a great time to go out chase those big female walleyes. And we're going to talk more about chasing those walleyes later in the show. Steve, another product you and I talked about is, you know, we always struggle. I don't know how many times I've changed the way I store lures. Uh, another box from Plano <laughs> called the Edge, I believe. Tell me about that. Yeah, so... Uh, Three, I think it was three years ago at the at the ICAST show, uh, which is the big trade show for fishing. Plano brought in all their pros, and I was actually in on this group, and it was guys like Kevin Van Dam, and I mean all the bass pros, all the walleye guys, and we sat down and really tried to decide what what does the industry need in terms of tackle storage. You got to remember some of these um, some of these blade baits, these bladed jigs are selling for $14, $15 a piece. Crankbaits are up in that $8, $10 a range type of thing. And and if you're fishing competitively, I mean, one lost fish could be the difference between, you know, $100,000. And so the, the goal was to build the ultimate tackle box. And there were three things that were really kind of um, focused on. One was making sure that the storage was very uh, protected the baits and, and actually made it easy to find them. So clear lids were important to uh, making sure that rust proofing was a, a big deal. We've all had a wave come in the boat or we've all had spray come in and where you put away your baits wet and you, you open the box a couple of weeks later and all the hooks are shot and you've got your paint faded and things like that. So rust proofing was a big deal. And third was sort of the water control, um, you know, having waterproof boxes so that you didn't have issues with things. And so Plano came out with the first version of the Edge box um, the next year, and we started playing with it. It had a, a dry lock seal so it didn't let water in. It had one-handed latches that make it easy to get in and out of the box. They had clear lids so you knew exactly what was there before you had to open the box. And it had a rust-proofing system that is molded into the plastic, it's called Restrictor, and, it, and what it does is it chemically binds uh, and prevents at a, chem, at, a, at a molecular level any rust-type forming on, on the hooks. And it was it, talking to Kevin Van Dam the other day about the box. He says, I may have 100 crankbaits in a box, and if I lose that, I mean, we're talking hundreds of dollars. And it's true for all anglers. that We, we invest way too much money, so I think the, the rust-proofing side of things I can say that, that they have a, a terminal box that's the best on the market. They've got a jig box that is insanely good. I mean, the entire line of the edge boxes when it came out was in the, uh, won a number of industry awards. But really, from a fisherman's point of view, it's, it's the best option right now on the market for secure uh, storage and easy storage. And uh, if anybody hasn't checked it out, just I would check out the edge boxes. All right. We only have about a minute left. Tell people real quick about your current TV show, Lake Commandos, which I, you know I'm a big fan of. And then we'll remind them again about the College of Bass. Yeah, Lake Commandos was really born out of a – back when I was producing and, and uh, we were taping uh, North American Fisherman TV, once a year the three hosts uh, would get together and we would fish a lake blind. We'd go out and just go onto a lake and, and figure out who could figure out fish first. We had a cameraman in each boat, and it was the you know the goal was to see who could put together the patterns. Well, they were very popular, and and I think the biggest struggle that most anglers have on the water is how to react to what they're seeing. Fish aren't biting. What do I do next? Or I'm I'm getting short hits. What do I do next? Or I can't get bit. What do I do next? 
And so Lake Commandos is on, born on a, I bring, a, I bring a, a guest with, we go to a body of water blind. It may be a lake I've fished in the past or a river that I've fished in the past, but it's been, uh, you know, years. And, and so you don't go in there with any preconceived notion. So what it is is we go on the water, we, we identify patterns that we're going to think will work based on the conditions, the seasonality, the, fish, the species we're after, and, and, and uh, you know, current weather conditions, that sort of thing. And then we go out and we fish head to head against each other. And the competition is not as much because of the competition. It's really to emphasize the little changes that people make in their patterns. You know, if I'm fishing fire tiger and, and if, say, example, you're on the show and you're fishing a shad color, you know, how are you doing compared to me? If you're fishing a six, four to one retrieve ratio and I'm fishing an eight to one, what's the difference? If uh, and, and what we found is we identify more and more we see these little tiny differences in the in the presentation that make huge differences in the number of fish we caught i had a guy on one of our trips in texas where you know we're fishing the same exact bait on the same exact spot at the same time but he's fishing fluorocarbon main line he had a three out or three quarter ounce weight i had a half ounce weight and braid and he caught five bass and i caught none and I, and I go to the camera and I says, the only difference in the presentation is this. We have the same bait, same color. We're casting the same exact spot. He's, he's got a heavier weight on his Carolina rig, and I'm running braid, and he's running floral carbon. i got to make the switch. Made the switch, and I caught a bass in the first cast. And that's the sort of thing that we're learning and distributing through Lake Commandos. And I think it really helps people build patterns, which is the toughest thing there is on, on the water. It's really how do I react to what I'm seeing. Steve, we are out of time. Quick tell people where they find the show and remind them when they can watch College of Bass with you and Kevin Van Dam. Yeah, we're on the Outdoor Channel. Uh, we are Sunday mornings at 11.30 Eastern, you know, 9.30 Central uh, and on Sundays, and then we're on several other times during the week. So if you can check it out, it'd be awesome. And in College of Bass, I would just go to uh, uh, Plano Fishing, uh, their Facebook page, and check us out at 6.30 on Wednesday after or Wednesday evenings. Or if you want to go back and watch the shows, you can do that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a fun program to be part of. All right, my friend, it's always great to have you on. We'll talk again soon, and uh, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. I appreciate the uh, opportunity, Terry. All right, Steve Panaz, just a tremendous resource. We love having him on. We'll take a quick time out. We're going to come back and uh, talk about the new boating brochure and regulations in Colorado with everybody getting on the water. That and so much more on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. They have locations up and down the front range as you get ready for your spring outdoor activities. Stop in a Jack's store and look around. You'll be pleasantly surprised by both the variety of products and the people there to help you. And tell them Terry told you to come in. Let's go right to the phones. Jim Hawkins from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is joining us, and we're going to talk some boating safety. Jim, thank you for patiently waiting. I know Steve ran a little long, but uh, it's always great to have him on. But we'll give plenty of, plenty of time to covering this information, I promise you. No, well, thank you for having me. It was uh, great to listen to him and all of his stories. Yeah, him. Uh, unfortunately, him and I, him not as much as me. We've been around a while, so we have a lot of stories. <laughs> uh, hey, Jim, speaking of, you know, being around a while, there's been a lot of people who probably, as far as the outdoors is concerned over the last year, weren't around a lot as far as 
people that hadn't been outdoors or really avid outdoor people for years got back to it. And a lot of people who really hadn't used the outdoors much at all because of COVID turned to the outdoors because there was no youth sports. You couldn't go out for dinner. And so we saw a huge number of people take advantage of the outdoors and boating and watercraft was no exception. Now, we encourage people to go outdoors. We want them to do that. But unfortunately, a lot of people went into things maybe they weren't ready for or didn't understand. Did it result in a maybe not as a great a year for incidents that we would have liked? Yeah, unfortunately, um, you know, 2020 was our deadliest year on our Colorado waterways. Um, we had 34 total drownings this year. And uh, 18 of those drownings were specifically boating related. Um, you know, we want people to come outdoors. You know, it's the best place, I think, in Colorado. I think that's why a lot of people move out here. But uh, we just got to do it safely and just make sure you know what you're getting into before you leave your house. No, you really do. I think one of the biggest thing, and I've seen this, whether it's um, an avalanche uh, mitigation or going out in the wrong, a search and rescue is way up. Uh, even rescues on the water not involving drownings and things are way up. And not because people aren't even necessarily being careless, where that can be part of it, but they don't understand. And they've pushed beyond their knowledge level or their limits. They've gone to do things before they were ready to do that. Now, along with that, I believe Parks and Wildlife has just redone their boating regulation handbook. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, we wanted uh, this year uh, all the boaters and stuff can go to our boating or actually all of our parks offices and uh, look at our brand new boating handbook with re regulations and statutes. Uh, we completely broke down the entire thing and rewrote it uh, more in layman's terms. So it's easier for the public to understand uh, what's required of them and uh, kind of give them good ideas uh, how to boat safely within our beautiful state. So how do we access that? Is it available in hard copy online, both? Sure, you can find it in both places. Uh, you can visit our website at ctw.state.co.us, and then you can just uh, search for boating regulations, or you can actually get a hard copy by visiting uh, one of our Parks and Wildlife offices. We know the boat ramps are going to be opening here probably this week, some of them, and a lot more shortly after that. What are some of the real main points that you'd like to get to the public about boating safety? Yeah, uh, you know, looking at the weather the next couple of days, I mean, we're going to be in the mid-60s and 70s, and I think a lot of people are, you know, wanting to get out, uh, even with paddle craft and as the boat ramps start opening up. You know, just making sure that the first thing that you should do is let somebody know where you're going. Uh, you know, we call it a file a uh, float plan uh, with a loved one or somebody that's responsible. Just let them know where you're going and when you plan on being back. And, you know, if you're going to a specific cove to your favorite fishing spot or something like that, just let them know that you're fishing there and then when you're supposed to get home. Um, before you even leave the garage, make sure that you have all your required boat safety equipment. The biggest thing is, you know, making sure that you have life jackets for everybody on board, uh, that they're proper fitting and they're U.S. Coast Guard approved. Make sure you have a tight fourth rule uh, fire extinguisher, a sound-producing device like a whistle or a horn, uh, back flame arrestor uh, if your boat is equipped with that, your ventilation system works, and then vessel lighting, you know, early mornings, late at night, or if the fog or something rolls in, making sure that you're seen. And the last thing is, you know, it kind of skips our mind going through the November and December, but uh, just make sure that you register your vessel online. 
Uh, the other things that we highly recommend, just make sure that you have an anchor, uh, just in case you do break down uh, a bucket, and uh, paddling, a uh, paddle or an oar uh, before you head out of your garage. Yeah, it's it's important to have all those things. And, of course, some of that will vary a little bit by the type of craft. But as a boater, you know, also I think read the regulations and understand the nuances of how you interact with other people. You know, when you're meeting a craft, when you're in the same area as a craft, I think we're getting more people out there. And I think people are just out there trying to have fun, but sometimes they don't realize the impact they're having on others. One thing I always like to talk about a lot this time of the year is the cold water. It's Everybody thinks I'm not going to fall in. It isn't going to happen to me. And I know I don't know anybody who spent extensive time in the water who probably hasn't had an incident. And when you hit that cold water, if you're not prepared, if you don't have other people, it really can be tragic, can't it? It can. And unfortunately, we see a lot of this early, you know, early in the season. Uh, we define that as like cold water immersion. And there's kind of a rule out there. It's called the one ten one rule. And it refers to you have one minute to kind of get your breathing under control when you hit that cold water. And then you have about less than 10 minutes for self-rescue to get out of that cold water. And then you have one hour before you become unconscious to hypothermia. So it's super important, you know, that you're able to get out of the water quickly and warm yourself up. Yeah, it's very, very, uh, you have to be so careful in cold water. People, if you've never fallen into cold water, uh, there's a pretty good chance if there's not somebody else with you that you might not get back in your boat. So just have your life jacket on is number one, and don't take chances. One other craft thing I want to mention very quickly, we're seeing a real influx of paddle boarders into the outdoor craft world. And that's one where people really seem to kind of overstep their skill level a little bit. They can really get in trouble in a hurry on Colorado waters, can't they? They can. Uh, you know, specifically paddle boarders, we've seen a huge increase uh, in rescues and even a couple of deaths this year. But, you know, paddle boarders, they need to understand uh, that they need to look at weather and check the forecasting, understand what kind of equipment, if they need to be wearing a wetsuit or something to stay warm. But, you know, we get a lot of strong winds that come out of the northwest or, you know, it can be sunny one minute and blowing snow 20 minutes later. Uh, so they really need to check the weather forecast and make sure that they're prepared for the weather and anything that comes up if they fall with it in, into the water. Yeah, and I, I, I had some numbers last fall about the number of rescues when paddle boards got blown across the lake, and that was when the water was warm. And fortunately, most of those weren't weren't resulting in tragedy, but I think people were totally caught off guard about how quickly they could get in trouble if they get out on the windy thing. So make sure you stay within your skill level. Any last comment before we let you go, Jim? No, we want people to get out to our parks and wildlife areas. Just do it safely and uh, have a great time. We look forward to seeing you. All right. As the boating gets in full swing, Jim, we'll get you back on. You're always a wealth of information, and it's good to run this stuff by people and get them thinking about it. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, sir. You bet. Jim Hawkins, great resource. We're going to take a quick time out. We come back, we're going to talk about the inspections for getting your boat on the water, our, our ANS or invasive species status, all that and more coming up in Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. I'll tell you something that I never used to think about Jack's Outdoor Gear for until I started working with them is that grilling. 
They have an entire department in their outdoor gear stores on grilling everything you need. If you're getting ready for your spring grilling season, get out there and check out Jack's Outdoor Gear. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Robert Walters. Good morning, Robert. Good morning, Terry. It's Isn't it a beautiful day? Oh, it sure is a beautiful day. I'm looking out my window right now just thinking about getting out on the water. Well, and we were just talking to uh, Jim Hawkins about boating safety, but there's some other things people need to know. And you're right. Uh, whatever kind of people, whatever watercraft you operate, people are going to be it's going to be just a matter of days and we're going to see boats launching and people out there and fishing and boating and just having fun. But when they do that, we have an inspection process in Colorado because we're trying to avoid the influx of uh, aquatic nuisance or invasive species. But before we even get into some of that, we have some really good news on that front, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. We do. Um, As of January 1st, two. Um, of this past season, we are considered completely free of zebra and quagga mussels here in the state of Colorado. So as I'm sure you're aware, um, back in 2017, Green Mountain Reservoir up near Kremlin had tested positive for the veliger or the larval life stage of the quagga mussel. But over the past three years, Parks and Wildlife, as well as the Bureau of Reclamation, has done an extensive amount of sampling of that particular reservoir and have found no additional evidence of mussels. So per the regional standard, we have officially delisted Green Mountain Reservoir for the quagga mussel, which makes Colorado completely free of invasive mussels. This is excellent news for us. It makes us the first state in the nation to go from positive to negative. And we certainly attribute that to the fact that we have such an awesome preventative inspection program here in the state. I mean, you have some statistics about the prevention how many vehicles were intercepted last year that would have could have possibly you know infected our waters with these mussels and where did most of them come from yeah, so last year was certainly a record-breaking year for us in many regards. Um, overall, we inspected 650,000 boats in the 2020 season, which is about a 35% increase over anything we'd ever seen in the past. Uh, through those 650,000 or so inspections, we actually intercepted 100 boats coming into the state of Colorado that did have confirmed zebra or quagga mussel adults on them. If one of those had made it into our waters, there is the potential they could have started up a new population. So it's awesome that we're out there and making sure those don't get into the waters of our state. Um, And the majority of those boats came in from Lake Powell. Um, There's been a significant increase in the amount of mussels over there at Lake Powell in the last several years. And of course, Colorado boaters love to go out there to Lake Powell. It's a beautiful location with nice warm water. Um, But unfortunately, they are bringing quite a few of those um, invasive quagga mussels back when they return. And we kind of have a double-edged sword in Colorado. One is because no water actually flows into Colorado. We're the headwaters for a number of uh, drainages. And so we don't, but if we protect through these inspections, we're less likely to get infected. But we also, if we would get infected, we could greatly spread these downstream from us. So we have a responsibility to our neighbors also. And we're we're still seeing a spread of the mussels. And, of course, there's other species. There's vegetation growth, and we still have some of that in Colorado. But when I pull up to a lake, what can I expect? What is the inspection process? 
Yeah, so um, the inspection process, uh, you're going to pull up there to the inspection station. Um, the inspectors are going to ask you a couple of questions, um, particularly about the boating history for your watercraft, just trying to determine the level of risk that your boat might pose in terms of introducing one of these invasive species. Uh, then we'll ask you some questions about live aquatic bait, and then they'll start up with their inspection. So when they're inspecting the boat, um, we have a very particular process in which we do that inspection. We start by inspecting the hull or the exterior of the boat. Then we check the engine to make sure there's nothing attached and that there's no residual water trapped inside of the cooling system. Then we'll actually get up and inside of the boat and check in all of your interior compartments and um, all the equipment that may have come in contact with the water and if there is any water in any of those locations then we will either drain that out or if there's too much water then we will go through our decontamination process um, in terms of our decontaminations, um, there's no soaps, bleaches, chemicals, anything like that that's used that might damage your boat. Uh, we are strictly using hot water to reduce the biological risk. So when we're doing those inspections, what we're really trying to ensure is that your boat is clean, drain, and dry, which means that there's no mud, no water, no plants, and no animals. Um, if we can confirm that your boat is clean, drain, and dry, then you will be free to launch. And a lot of people wonder if we're free of all these invasive if it's work why do we have to keep doing it but folks i can tell you around the country uh waters have closed to recreation because of this and uh, colorado is a great example of very little of the water you recreate on is owned or controlled by parks and wildlife or even the state it's owned by water providers and if they think these mussels could damage their infrastructure they're going to close the waters to that so we have to be vigilant in fact we have lost some waters to this haven't we um so there are certainly a couple waters in the state that are no longer allowing motorized boating um, just due to the increased risk of the potential of zebra aquatic mussels to be introduced so as you said you know the inspectors are out there some people view this as a slight inconvenience but really we should keep in mind that they are actually what is allowing you to continue to recreate on these waters um, and they're out there to protect them to make sure that we can continue to recreate far into the future now, I know there's been last year because of the influx of people. I don't know if you can say influx into the outdoors. Is that right, Robert? I think you told me earlier in the week you inspected about 650,000 inspections. Are there a need for volunteers or people or ways they could sign up to get jobs? Uh, yeah, so we don't typically utilize um, volunteers for our inspectors, but um, we do hire a significant amount of inspectors all across the state. So there are certainly opportunities um, at water bodies all across the great state of Colorado, and the best way for folks to um, get in tune with those opportunities would be to visit the CPW job page. Um, right now is a perfect time. We're hiring on a ton of inspectors, so if that's something that interests you, um, again, I would encourage you to visit CPW's job page and the last thing i want to ask you is what boats or maybe it's easier to say what watercraft don't need to be inspected 
yeah, so there are 11 watercraft here in the state of Colorado that are considered exempt from our mandatory inspection regulations. Uh, these are specifically hand-launched and hand-propelled vessels. Um, things such as kayaks, canoes, and stand-up paddle boards would fall onto that exempt vessel list. Um, and the reason for that is just that they are typically not out on the water long. They don't have a lot of water holding capacity. Um, so they are, have a reduced risk of transporting these invasive species. But if you have one of those exempt vessels and you decide to add a propulsion system, something like a gas or an electric motor, or if you are launching it um, from a trailer that comes in contact with the water, then that vessel would no longer be considered exempt and would have to go through our mandatory inspection process. Robert, we're out of time, but hopefully people will have listened to this. They understand we got a lot of new people out there. I, uh, Jim Hawkins told us there's a new boating regulation pamphlet out both online and at the licensed pl places. So, you know, get one of those and read it. And what's your last comment to people who are just chawing at the bit to get out boating this year? Yeah, the best thing you can do to make sure that your um, first launch for the season is as quick and painless as possible is just, again, to make sure that your boat is clean, drain, and dry, and that will really expedite that inspection process. And as I know Jim said, make sure you bring your life jacket when you get out there and hit the water. Uh, without question, especially in this cold water. Robert, thanks for joining us, and thanks for coming on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, and I hope we help educate a lot of people on what's going on. Thank you for the opportunity, Terry. Have a great day. You bet. Robert Walters, great. You know, uh, we're going to switch gears up again a little bit in the next segment. And in fact, the next two or three segments, we're going to talk fishing and hunting, and we're going to give you some tips on getting out there. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us is Brad Peterson from Bad Brad Peterson Outdoors. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. You know, we only we got a short segment here, but I wanted to get you on. I know you and a couple of our guests coming up are getting ready to do guide trips in different parts of the state. And so I know you've been out checking the water. And I know especially you've been checking some of these northern Colorado waters. What, where, where are things at? We're really in a shoulder season. I heard this morning that horse tooth was still capped, but I would think things are changing fast. What are you seeing out there, Brad? Yeah, yeah, Terry, things are changing really quick right now. Um, what I'm noticing is most of the smaller ponds have lost their ice completely, and so people are able to get out there and catch some fish. I've actually been out uh, since Wednesday catching some bass on some of these ponds. Uh, I know people out there catching trout. And then if you're looking to get out and, you know, get your boat on the water, you're still looking, you know, we have a little bit more ice up here in northern Colorado than a lot of the other areas. And what I'm hearing from rangers and, and parks people is, the earliest you're going to possibly see stuff opening up is probably going to be late next week, but there's a good chance it may be the week after. If We're going to get warm weather, but if we don't get wind with it, it takes a while for that ice to go away. Uh, Boyd on Tuesday had seven inches in a lot of the areas, so that takes a while for that to go away if we don't get the added help of the wind. So as, as much as wind frustrates us as 
outdoor enthusiasts a lot of the time, boy, one good day of wind would sure help us open up these lakes to where we could start launching boats. Yeah, now there's some some areas of the state, if you want to drive like Navajo, Pueblo, and I believe Highland, that you might be able to get on right now. I would definitely check before you go. And we're going to talk a little later in the show about the Metro Lakes, and I think we'll see some opportunities there. But it sounds like it'll be a little while before you're launching boats up in the north and northeast here. What about shore fishing? Are you seeing, and you talked about the ponds. How about some of the other waters like Boyd or Carter? Have you heard anything as far as people fishing from shore? Is the ice receding enough, or are they still pretty capped? Water, or the ice is receding from shore in areas. Boyd, it's more along the, the north side. Um, for people familiar with the lake, it's from about the jet ski boat ramp north along that shoreline there has got some shoreline access. People are catching a few trout in there. Um, it, it's kind of a, a featureless shoreline area, so it's not the best spot to, uh, you know, target some of the other species. But Carter has had, uh, you know, the ice pull back along the shoreline so people are getting up there catching some trout a few pre-spawn walleyes i mean it's real early for the carter walleyes but uh, a couple of the other lakes that uh, you know are getting some ice to pull back is both the bodecker and long Hagler in the loveland area and both of those have you know some good panfish bass uh crappies and, and a few walleyes in both of them so both of those are going to be providing some really good shore fishing opportunities. I think Lawn Hagler is about a half open right now, predominantly on the, the north half. And Bodecker is almost completely open. So with these warm days, those fish are going to move up in the afternoon, starting to become active. And I think you're going to be able to get out there and catch fish, you know, whatever species you really want to target. Yeah, um, if you're out there chasing bass, I'd tell you to go, you know, the best bait I've been throwing recently has been a, a spinner bait um, with big Colorado blades and just kind of slow rolling that. Uh, that's that's been really producing fish for me. If you want to go pan fish, a small jig or a jig and a minnow uh, below a float, so that you can kind of keep that presentation going a little bit slow. And then as you talked, uh, you know, in the first segment, when it comes to walleyes, it's hard to beat those stick baits early in the year. Uh, you know, Steve was mentioning one. I, I like to use the uh, original Rapala floating minnow with a few suspend dots, make that floating minnow suspend right in there. And uh, on the low light conditions and where the water's coming in, you're going to get into some walleyes this time of year. And as you said, potential for some of the biggest walleyes, you know, you can catch anywhere in the country. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. And, um, the bigger waters, as they recede and we get this shoreline activity, Carter, Horsetooth, Boyd, um, even, you know, down, we're going to talk later in the, in the hour about Cherry Creek and Chatfield. And then you got the Sterlings and the um, Jacksons and those lakes. Walleyes and trout are going to be the two main species. The trout are going to be more consistent action, but the walleyes are going to give you that chance for that fish of a lifetime but they can be frustrating because it'll be an on and off bite the other side of that is right now if you just want to catch some fish you get these smaller ponds that warm up um, the panfish are going to start moving towards shore and the bass and that can almost be a more reliable bite don't you think 
Oh, I absolutely do. And, and one of the things you said there that was really key, Terry, is as they're warming up. So we're, we've got a few days from now till about Wednesday that we're supposed to be warm, and the fishing should just keep improving. But then we're going to hit a little bit of a cold snap again and chance at some, some of that colder rain, some snow. And so the bite next weekend might be a little bit tougher for these ponds. So I tell you what, as nice as it's going to be this weekend, if you're wanting to get out and catch some fish on ponds, um, the next two days are going to be perfect opportunities to be out there. And it's a great place to get some kids out. There are a lot of them by parks. They have facilities. In fact, um, if you want to get a little insight into fishing a public pond, I just put a show on my YouTube channel with my grandkids. You can find a link on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. And we show you a little technique I use for the, the, the panfish early, although it's a little more effective later in the season. And but it's a public pond, and you can have so much fun, Brad. As you guys, we progress and waters open up. I know you're going to be booking guide trips. How would people get a hold of you? You can find me on Facebook at Brad Peterson Outdoors, or give me a call or shoot me a text message at three zero three eight two nine three nine nine eight. I would expect to start being on the water by about the the fifteenth or eighteenth of March, and uh, things should really be rolling by then. All right, my friend, we will talk to you again very soon. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Terry. We'll take a quick time out, and we'll be joined by Nate Zielinski on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.